your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 253 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood, and the Ottawa Senators' win streak is over. The Sens fall 2-1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The good news, they don't have to wait long for revenge. Tonight, the rubber match of the three-game series. What do the Sens have to do for a victory? We'll break that all down, including our locked-on player, our lookout player. But as we retroactively look at what's been bothering this team offensively, aside from Monday night, It's the power play. Oh, for their last 18 attempts, they haven't scored a power play goal since February 6th. How do you fix it? We'll get Pilsy's take on that. A whole lot more surrounding last night's game. But don't think we forgot about the Belleville Senators. They earned their first win of the season on Tuesday. Of course, no show yesterday. So we'll break that down today. All that and Rockin' Robbie is back. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Thursday, February 18th, and Pilsy, a 2-1 defeat to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ottawa never led in this game, but certainly when they tied it up towards the end of the second period, they had a chance. Yeah, I mean, a 1-1 game. This is We're talking about the same Ottawa Senators up against the same Toronto Maple Leafs, that it was 5 to one and the Sens brought it all the way back. So a one, one game, you got to be feeling pretty confident about the Sens. I don't know about you, Ross, but I live bet a uh, decent couple shekels on BetOnline.ag on the Sens when it was tied at one. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull through, but damn, if Matt Murray is w- what half a second quicker and stops that puck with uh, the reverse cartwheel off his head and it doesn't go in. We're looking at a whole different game here matched with the highlight save of the year. So it was close. And you know what the sense, these kind of games are going to happen. It's the end result. Isn't really what we're looking for here. This is going to be a tough long season, but it's the performance and the work ethic. And again, that was all there for the senators last night, in my opinion. Yeah. That third period, you, you want to say maybe ran out of gas, but I think that it was more so the Leafs put pedal to the metal and they, they knew what was on the line in terms of there were already articles. Did you see the Steve Simmons article on, on William Nylander? Like that's their Don Brennan. So you take everything with a grain of salt, but at the same time, like assembly sold separately or what was it about him comparing him to Ikea furniture? It was, very I've weird. Blocked any Steve Simmons uh, words, quotes, articles far out of my mind. That guy is a whack job. Yeah. So basically what I'm getting at with that is if the Leafs lost this game last night, pure mayhem in the media. And I don't know if that drove them at all, but they came out in that third period and just dominated the Sens. You could feel that Kerfoot goal coming from a mile away. You mentioned Murray almost getting over there. It went off of Kerfoot's stick, off of the post off of Murray's head and then into the back of the net. So that was one of the two goals that counted for Toronto. Let's start at the beginning of the game because 
you got to think a seasoned vet like Joe Thornton knows the rules of hockey, don't you think? He goes in. There's a beautiful save by Matt Murray sliding across. He made a couple great saves. The other one on a Jonathan Tavares breakaway. That's just his name on this podcast, by the way. It's Jonathan Tavares. Get your Leafs pajamas on and go up to bed because I don't know about his performance after Murray stymied him on that breakaway. But then the second effort in that first period for Murray on on Thornton. Take us through that play. How does Thornton think he can push his pad past the goal line? This this is the thing that bewilders me. Like a seasoned vet like Thornton should know that that's a wasted play on a great opportunity. All he needs to do is take a second, peel the puck away from Murray's pad and then roof it. And that's a good clean goal. Instead, he does the bonehead play of shoving Murray's pad all the way into the net. Like the snowplow. How did you think that that was going to be okay? And then, oh my God, of course, who comes over to the ref after but Mitch Marner? Being like, <laughs> oh, that's a good goal. That's a good goal. The puck was free. You are so wrong. Like, like sure, there's, there's people that argue the puck was not covered and you should be able to do what you have to do to get the puck in the net. Okay, so if the puck hits Matt Murray in the chest, you could just bowl him over and hope that the puck trickles into. There is a reason that rule is in place. Hashtag goalie friendly show. You can't just abuse goaltenders and shove them in the net. Like that's that just doesn't happen. So for Thornton to do that play and for Mitch Marner to think that that should count just blows my mind. Only 1,642 NHL games for Joe Thornton. Still learning the rules. I guess when you become a Maple Leaf, things start to get a little fuzzy. He also had another goal disallowed early in the second period with a high stick that he also tried to convince the refs was a good goal. You know what? That one, I'll let it slide because uh, if a high stick, if it's close enough and you can convince the ref it's a goal on the ice and they call it goal on the ice, that's massive because then indefinitely it has to be a high stick in the replay for them to overturn it. So for that one, I'm not as upset because that's not a cheap, uh, weird play. That's actually a good effort play. And if you can convince the ref properly, you can get that to go in your favor. So that one's okay. But the first one just drives me nuts. So at that point, it's still 0-0, and then Austin Matthews. Man, this guy just torments the Ottawa Senators. He's up to 28 points in 18 games, including 18 goals against the Ottawa Senators. It's uh, pretty spectacular in the worst way, I'll say, but uh, he scores on a one-timer. No chance for Murray on that one. No, no chance for Murray on that one. But where I would like to see a better play there, Ross, is our guy Thomas Shabbat, the best defenseman on the team. Because let's let's look through that goal scenario here. You've got Justin Hall coming in. He's floating in, so he's getting closer. He's getting a better shot, a better opportunity to take a high-danger shot. And Thomas Shabbat is left with the decision. Do I cut the shot off and leave Austin Matthews wide open for a one-timer? Or do I block the pass to Matthews and let Hall take that shot on a goalie that's been on fire in Matt Murray and let that be the result? Or do I go halfway in between them and not solve anything? He goes with option number three and goes halfway in between. Look, Justin Hall sold shot really well. That's a great job of him looking at the net, winding up a wrist shot, his skate. Everything is lined up for him to shoot it. But you gotta know, you just riddled off Austin Matthews' stats against the Sens. You gotta know that's where the play is heading. The play is heading to Matthews to one time the puck. And Shabbat kind of halfway tries to cover Matthews. 
just fully go on Matthews. Let Murray try to stop a shot from Justin Hall, a young defenseman from far out, right? A guy who has five goals in 98 NHL games. Exactly. So that's a play where, you know what, split second, you're trying to do the best of both worlds, but you need to quickly make a, a calculated risk and be like, who's a bigger threat, Hall or Matthews? I'm going Matthews. So that's a play where I would have really liked Shabbat to uh, get a better read on it. But you know what? Hat tip to Hall. He sold well, passed it at the perfect time and executed perfectly. So I'm not too upset with that, but that's something that uh, maybe DJ is going to give Shabbat a little talking to in the video room. I thought the Sens played a pretty good period, especially considering they gave up that goal, not even five minutes into the middle frame. I thought it was back and forth. They were outshot 13 to 12, but had their chances on Freddie Anderson as well. And then were rewarded late. A two on one break. Norris gets the pass up to Chris Tierney and your boy. You always talk about how great of a disher Chris Tierney is. What a feed cross ice and Brady Kachuk. That's just hockey IQ 101 crash the back post. And he got his stick on it with uh, maybe a little help from Austin Matthews on that one. Yeah, Austin Matthews just loves scoring goals. He doesn't care what net, right? It looks the same to him. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you highlighted uh, Chris Tierney's pass. But I, I want to even, let's let's reverse it a little more. Josh Norris makes an excellent cross-ice pass to find Tierney to set that play up. So great pass by Josh Norris, who is tied for the lead in rookie scoring with a former Senator Dev Camp guy in P.S. Suter. So that's, we you got to talk, watch that. We have to talk about Pius Suter. You know, he played 21 minutes last night for Chicago. This guy's like a first liner now. How'd that happen? Weird. Too bad the Sens didn't hold on to him. That was a guy we liked uh, back in the making sense of the Sens days. He's a guy we targeted at those camps saying, this guy looks hot. And uh, hey, when you come and play in Chicago, Chicago does that. They're able to bring these European guys over and just uh, let them succeed for sure. So Norris ties Pius Suter with the lead among rookie scorers and then what happens after that? Like, I felt like it would just, you would expect them to come out in the third period feeling pretty good about that. It's one of those momentum goals that we always talk about, but really it was pretty flat from there on out. Yeah. The third period was definitely kind of, kind of dull, a little bit flat. And that's, that's disappointing because the, if the Sens could have brought this to OT, then you're looking at a whole new game. If they don't solve it in OT, I feel terrible about their chances up against the Leafs in the shootout, unless you get Artem Zub, shootout specialist, starting stuff off for the Sens. But yeah, that, no was, sh- uh, that was tough. Still no shootouts for Ottawa this year. I'm waiting to see Timmy Superstar bring it in one-on-one against the goalie. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, knowing DJ Smith, he'd put Connor Brown first out. Jeez. 100%. <laughs> I am not here for Connor Brown to become Tom Pyatt 2.0. I think Connor Brown's a much better player, but keep him out of the shootout. Please, DJ, if and when that situation could occur. A chance for Ottawa, their best, to send this to an extra frame and tie the game was when Zach Hyman took a tripping penalty against Thomas Shabbat in the third period. But I mentioned it off the top, this power play has not been able to figure out any way to solve goalies. Now, going back six games, and two periods. Their last power play goal came on February 6th against the Montreal Canadiens. They lost that game 2-1, but it was in the first period. Colin White from Derek Stepan and Josh Norris. It feels like forever ago. The Sens had half the amount of wins on the season as they do right now. But what is holding this power play back from producing? Well, I will leave the obvious one for a little later. But first off, 
you got to start. Uh, I, I'm a big DJ Smith guy. I know we joke about some of his decisions, but overall, I think he keeps uh, runs a tight ship. The players like playing for him. They buy into his systems and his mentality. But the one thing you cannot be doing is what are Derek Stepan and Artem Anisimov doing out there on the power play for over two and a half minutes total ice time in a game? Like, that's just... You just can't be doing that, like especially a guy like Anisimov, who, let's be honest, the only reason he's in the lineup is because the Sens just completed a two-for-one trade where the one coming back has to quarantine for two weeks. So that's not a guy that should be out there with the man advantage when you need to capitalize. You need your your goal scores. You need your offensive talents out there. And Derek Stepan... I don't, I'm not even really sure what to say about him anymore. Like, sure, once in a while, his face-off uh, percentage is nice, and that can be handy in a team that has a lot of inexperienced centers. But other than that, I don't see a whole lot I like from him. He's turning the puck over a lot. He's he's not really generating much. He's not a threat on the power play. Like, if if you're a penalty killer for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you've got, let's say, Tim Stutzler, Drake Batherson, Thomas Shabbat, Brady Kachuk, and Derek Stepan... Just leave Stepan on his own and cover the other four guys, right? Like, why bother? Just let Stepan win the faceoff, cover the four guys, and get the puck out like that. So, definitely personnel decisions are a problem. The second one, the most obvious one, is the drop pass. And sure, the drop pass can be an effective play. It is an effective play. But it can't be your number one option, plan A, every single time. Because you're wasting a lot of time dropping that puck back and then bringing it all the way back. That's you got, You're looking between 5 to 10 seconds lost right there. And then teams know you're doing that. So they're going to wait at the blue line and let you waste that time and space. And then they're going to stack on the blue line and then you can't enter. And then you got to start all over again. So the, the drop pass needs to be done when it's, when the opposition's penalty kill lines up for it to work. If the penalty kill is expecting the drop pass and you still do it, who you're just wasting, you're wasting everyone's time at that point. At least the senators were completing pass on the power play. Unlike Mitch Marner putting it in guys feet over and over again on that third period power play. I want to talk a lot more and dive into this power play. But first, let's tell you about our friends at Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Comes in 16 amazing flavors. The best part of the number of flavors of Built Bar is you can get a mixed box and have all the variety right at your fingertips. Eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free, but all the bars are 100% covered in chocolate they're soft and easy to chew they're great for the health conscious guy or girl you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat the bars are low in calorie low in sugar yes they're high in protein of course and also high in fiber pillsy there's so many to choose from we got to narrow it down give us your pillsy's pick of the week well, guys, I'm going to give you my pick of the week, and it's obviously a good one because on Built Bar's website, it's saying that it's sold out. So get your hands on this when it's back. That's the toffee almond flavor. I love, I would say almonds might be one of my favorite nuts. Great flavor, lots of protein. So you get the almond flavor in there. And then the nice toffee flavor, a little creamy, a little sweet. You get that in there too. 160 calories, 19 grams of protein. That's that's a lot of protein in one bar. 19 grams. You got to love it. And only five grams of sugar and you still get that delicious taste. So give it a try when it's available. Toffee almond. Go to BuiltBar.com and check out all the delicious flavors that you can get and use the promo code Locked On, all one word, Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your first order. It's BuiltBar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, 20% off your first order. 
All right, Pilsy, we're going to get to our Sens Central standouts, but I'm not done talking about the Ottawa power play woes. It needs to be fixed for any sustained success this season. Let's talk about the first unit. I feel like there's no designated shooter. Everyone's just passing around, waiting for the perfect opportunity. When the Leafs have a power play, you know it's getting to number 34, and he's going to shoot, and the the rest of the power play kind of collapses around that. With Ottawa, it's kind of like hot potato. Who wants the puck? There's no real put it at the net. Like Remember when they had Carlson? They would just get it to the top, and he would just pass it to Hoffman, and you knew it was going to be a shot on goal. Everything else collapsed after that, and that's how a power play should run, in my opinion. Right now, there's too many guys looking off each other. Josh Norris has a fantastic shot. He scored so many power play goals last year in Belleville, yet he's not really exerting that strength. I, he seems like he's deferring to the more veteran players. It's Dadanov that, that they're passing. And then Dadanov's trying to dish it again. So I think there has to be more of a one-track mind on the power play. And you're right. It starts with the break-in. The draw pass is just, it should be used as a plan B, not a plan A. I liked what Timmy did when he gets the puck on the second unit. He's really the only guy that can handle the puck on the second unit because he's out there with Stepan and Anisimov. Like, pick one, I guess, DJ, but you can't have both of those guys out there. I wonder if he's just hesitant to have guys on the PK and the power play because I think that that white Dadanov and Paul line has been so good. Why not have them out there as the second unit and just see what happens because the way they have it set up, it's not working. We tweeted out at Send Central. How do you fix it? And that's what a few a few people have said. You know that really, as a coach, they're going to rely on veterans, especially with the man advantage. But Prague Hockey, he's saying that it would be great to get Jimmy on the point on that first unit. He's played there before, the left side. It's his strong side, which you don't always love to see because it takes away the one-timer option. But with Shabbat, another left shot on the right side, you then open that up. Now, he also thinks that on the first unit, we should reunite the kid line, Norris, Kachuk, Batherson. What do you think about changing out the personnel? Dadanov hasn't done anything wrong per se. He's obviously got five goals in his last six games, but there has to be some sort of personnel shakeup when you're over the last 18. Yeah, you got to try something new at that point. And Ross, I think you, you hit it on a good point when you're saying uh, DJ Smith just doesn't want the guys who are killing penalties on the power play. Like, take a look at the the far side on the game recap of the time on ice power play and shorthanded. The only the people that aren't getting power play time are the people that are getting shorthanded time. Like, you look at Tierney, only four seconds on the power play. Connor Brown, that's obviously them just coming on at the end of a power play. Those are shorthanded guys. You look at Austin Watson had no time on the power play. Nick Paul only eleven seconds on the power play. So the guys that are killing penalties. He's obviously uh, stating that you guys are going to kill penalties and not be on the power play. Except for one guy. Yeah, Derek Stepan. I had to scroll down there a little. That's uh, that's the guy. And what I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Maybe there's some sort of talk between uh, DJ and Pierre that let's get this guy in positions to exceed. Maybe he hits a hot streak. Then we cash in and trade him off for something of uh, decent value. But Like what, a fifth? Like, come on, just move yeah. on. I don't know. I don't know what you can get for Derek Stepan at this point. And especially with that cap hit high, sure, the real money's not much, which is what attracted the Sens to him. But the cap hit is still high. So that's going to be tough for teams unless the Sens retain some salary there. Yeah, I'm just at a bit of a loss. And we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe they mix it up a little bit. But the creativity 
is almost too much rather than not enough, right? Like they're trying to make the pretty pass and they're trying to pass the puck into the net, really. And that's not how a power play should run. Get pucks on net and create from there. They're lucky there's no fans in the crowd, especially at home, or the shoe people will be out in full force because they're just not getting enough pucks on net. You know there's traffic when Brady's out there on the first unit. So thrive off of that and just put it in an area that he can get to and pot some rebounds. Shout out Brady Kachuk, by the way. He's one of my central central standouts. There are some people, we know our central citizen Rudy mentioned that he's not receiving passes very well. There's pucks that are kind of skipping over his stick blade, but what that guy does do, he makes sure his stick's on the ice when he goes to the net, and that cashed him in for his 100th career NHL point. You'll love to see that. 48 goals, 52 assists, and that is the first 100 of many, I'll say, Pilsy. So he earns him a Sen Central standout for me, a game high, seven shots on goal as well. Yep, Brady doing Brady things. And what I, what I like too, and what I want to shout out is his interview in the intermission where he said that they the Sens have this work ethic and this style of play, and they're playing like this. They want Sens fans to understand that they're going to play like this. And sure, a lot of the times athletes are just like, yeah, we're doing it for the fans, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of kind of just a robotic message. But I really believe that Brady's in there in the dressing room being like, guys, like we we got to show up like we got to play harder. We got to build this culture because there's a fan base that's thriving on on this and we want to build it. So I like seeing that from Brady Kachuk. So another shout out there. My central standout is going to be Connor Brown. And sure, Connor Brown, he struggles to finish on plays. We've been over that over and over. But go ahead, watch the condensed game highlights of this game. Almost all the replays of where Kachuk and Norris are getting offensive chances, it all starts with Connor Brown. And that can go overlooked sometimes. Maybe it doesn't show up on the score sheet, but he's the guy that starts the breakout. He's the guy that dishes the puck to Norris to get it to Brady. He's the guy that's making those little plays in the corner to get takeaways. I just really liked what I saw from him. And I want to reward a guy like that, that maybe a lot of fans don't see and they're not excited about. And all they think about is the missed breakaways myself included but he does the little things that you have to do to churn plays to keep puck possession going so i want to give a big shout out to connor brown i like that and as a goalie friendly show we got to talk about matt murray as well 26 saves on 28 shots for him in last night's game but just the confidence that he gives the entire team in the first period that breakaway save we got to go back to that what was your takeaway as Tavares is rolling down with open ice well, my first takeaway is I wish Goody wasn't the guy trying to guard Tavares uh, heading in on a breakaway because that turned around real quick. You knew as soon as Tavares saw his Goody and got the one touch on that puck, he was gone. And shout out Matt Murray. Like, there's a couple ways that play could have gone. Tavares driving hard to the net on his backhand. He could have tried to bring it all the way back across the crease on his forehand. So you got to be cognizant of that because he was past Goody for sure. And then the backhand shot, that was a tough one to handle up high. And not only does Murray get the save, he catches it. 
That's the key is he's catching these pucks now before they were hitting off the palm of his glove and turning into a juicy rebound, but he's catching them. And I mentioned last night, his work down low is incredible. Like it is hard to beat Matt Murray down low. His uh, pads, his movement is, is smooth. I think he's looking much better and the stats are showing it Ross in his last six games played. He is a 0.929 save percentage. Like that is incredible. We, we said we need him to steal games. He's been doing that. So now it's, it's it's on the Sens offense and on the Sens power play to capitalize for him and get those wins. We're recording just before 11 o'clock, so we're going to get to our preview in just a little bit. Would you go back to Murray tonight? Nope. Give it to Hogberg. I think there's no reason, especially Murray coming off an injury, there's no reason to overexert him. Hogberg has shown that uh, in the last couple of games, he's kind of steadied himself and he's figured things out. And for some reason, the Leafs, they're not really jumping uh, all over Hogberg. Like, sure, they got the five goals pretty quick there. But again, I can't blame too many of those goals on Hogberg. So I have confidence in Hogberg, especially if the Leafs decide to go with Hutchison, then yeah, throw Hogberg in for sure. No skate this morning for Ottawa. DJ Smith will address the media at 4.10 p.m. And even then, he's sometimes hesitant to name a starting goalie. So we'll keep track of that. Speaking of starting goalies, the Belleville Senators have had three in their three games. But Philly franchise earns them their first win against the Laval Rocket. They have an opportunity to split the series on Friday. So tomorrow night will be the finale of the four-game set. Still no schedule going forward, but a 4-1 victory, great to finally get on the right track in Bell Vegas. Yeah, and it's funny that this is the game it happens because they're so shorthanded. No LeBate, no Schlappick, no Logan Brown, and they come up with the win. And yeah, the Laval Rocket got Frolik in there. Uh, Primu, their top goaltending prospect, was in there. And the Senators find a way to figure it out. And especially, Ross, how about this? When you lose the first two games of the season, five to one, and then the first period of the next game, you get outshot 14 to three, and you still end up with the victory. And if we're doing Sen Central standouts here quickly, you got to give one to Ridley Gregg, the WHL prospect first round pick gets two assists in this game. And he was centering the top line. So big role for him. So shout out Ridley. That's a way to kind of finally get your feet in and get going in the AHL there. Yeah, a pair of nice assists. He was also causing havoc uh, physically, getting into the kitchen of some players on the Laval Rocket. The Sens are going to be so annoying once they get Greg and Formanton up and joining this pissed-off bunch that Brady has cultivated. It's going to be a ton of fun. But for now, they're applying their trade down in Belleville. I thought Alex Formanton was using his speed again. Sounds like rinse, wash, repeat for that. But I thought he looked great. And, hey, They needed a good goaltending performance. They let in five goals in each of their first two games. So I thought it was fantastic to see Gus only allow one. Yep. Great game from Gus, especially it's, it's been a while since he played. Sure. He was over in Sweden, but he's been kind of bouncing around taxi squad backing up and hasn't really had a chance to, to get in there. So good job on Gus. And I want to give another shout out, shout out Parker Kelly, this guy, team high five shots, five of 19 shots from Parker Kelly. He continues to buzz and he had an assist as well. So that's a guy that we kind of, we noticed early on in his Belleville days and he struggled, but then he picked it up second half of the season. And now he continues to roll along. That's a guy I got a lot of time for. And I think he can be an effective AHL player for sure. I think the Sens have a lot of time for him. I think next year in 2021, 22, he'll get games with Ottawa. I'd actually be shocked 
if he doesn't. So we'll tee up Belleville's game tomorrow night. One more note, though. The WHL knows when they're starting now for all their divisions. So Ridley Gregg and Cole Reinhardt, they will be heading back to junior March 12th, which is really too bad because Ridley Gregg's shown that he can be an effective player at this level. But still, a young 18-year-old birthday. I think he turned 18 in July, if I'm not mistaken. So he Or August, actually. So he's going to be... Uh, a guy who next year you'll be able to see maybe even on the world junior team. And I would actually bet on that because he did well at this camp. Of course, COVID played a role and a whole lot, but a prospect to bet on for sure. And when we bet on teams and prospects, we go to betonline.ag. It's the number one home that we use for online sports wagering. The one place that we trust is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account when you go to betonline.ag. Just make sure you use our promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They put in $50 if you put in 100. They put in 100 if you put in 200. That's a bet online way. And when you do that, you have this extra cash sitting around. You have to bet it to get it perfectly into your account, right? It's just free play money. But why not why not hit your wagon to Pilsy's parlay of the day because He's, he's just rolling around in dough right now, Pilsy. How hot is the parlay of the day? Well, the last week and a half, it's been hot. I think uh, I've hit four for seven. The last parlay I had, I got half of it right, which is usually the way Pilsy's parlay of the day goes. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Penguins were not able to get a win there. But I'm feeling good about this one, and I'm going to switch it up to something I've never done in my gambling career, and that's we're going to take reverse puck line on your Ottawa Senators. So the Sens plus one and a half. So as long as they don't lose by two goals at even money plus 100. So I like those odds. And then we're going to head over to Nashville and Columbus, the Nashville Predators. I don't know what's going on down there. The, the team chemistry is way off. Guys are not performing these massive contracts. They just had to buy out Kyle Turris. And now they're looking at more contract problems. So that team's a mess. They're up against the Blue Jackets, who have been pretty good since Roslevic and Line are in the lineup. So I'm going Blue Jackets money line at minus 124. So sends reverse puck line and Blue Jackets money line. Put 10 bucks on that parlay, and you're going to win $26.13. That is Pilsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy, we're about to preview tonight's Leaf Sends round five of the Battle of Ontario, but we got to head overseas first. Rockin' Robbie Yarventi, he was a healthy scratch. He hadn't had a point in 15 games. What does he do? He goes out and gets a pair of goals. The first one, a nice tip in the high slot, no selly, classic Yarventi, but. We've learned he does celebrate. He just has to impress himself. What a highlight reel goal for his second. Coast to coast and butters the toast. Robbie Yarventi coming in hot. What a move to get around that defender and then just whoop buries it on the, the far side with a nice wrister. And that's the kind of stuff you want to see Robbie Yarventi doing. And I think he's one of those guys that we talked about it early on this season with Eels. I think he had like, he had a bunch of goals with the puck was only on his stick for like half a second. Like he quickly releases it, but this is a guy that can feel it when he's got the puck on his stick. And you saw that pretty much from his own end, from his own blue line, 
He skates the puck in, carries it in, wheels around a defenseman, makes him look silly, and then beats the goalie. I think that's going to be a big boost to this confidence. And we knew when the Sens drafted Robbie Arventi, this is a guy that is going to be hot. And he's going to be cold. I mean, the all the scouting reports were either I didn't notice Robbie Arventi at all or this guy is a star in the making. So there's not really an in-between here. So now we're in the rocking Robbie Arventi stage. Let's keep that rolling. And I meant to say goals rather than point. He had two assists over that stretch of 15-plus games, but he hadn't scored a goal since November 18th, Billsy. That's including the entire World Juniors as well. So great to see Robbie Arventi get back on track. How can the Ottawa Senators get back on track? Fun fact too. So it's round five. Each team has two wins in the battle of Ontario this year. They were each in different sets, right? They played twice against Toronto at the start of the season. And then a three game set here. They do play nine total times. So four more, but funny enough, they're all single games split out throughout the season. No more series against Toronto after this so that was a little strange schedule quirk and a year full of them but how do the Sens get back on track tonight Pilsy well I think that's actually an advantage for the Senators no because if you look at the series against the Leafs the Sens come out firing game one and then lose a tight squeaker 2-1 in the second game so let's hope that uh, they're able to jump all over them in these single game series and that should be good for the Senators what the Senators need to do and we talked about it is that power play has to get going and I think like a lot of these games, the difference could be a well-timed power play goal for your Ottawa Senators and the momentum shifts, and then they can they can make up a lead or a deficit. So I think that's the number one thing the Sens have to do up against these Leafs because this is a team that out-talents the crap out of you, and you're not going to beat them very often, five on five. It's tough. So when you have that man advantage, you got to make it count. So that's my number one key to success to beating the Leafs tonight is capitalize on the power play please oh so i'm not allowed to say special teams but it's clearly an issue for ottawa and they need 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 more from those units i i'm gonna say don't be flustered if toronto gets a chance or two don't let them steamroll that into four or five like we mentioned that you could see that curfoot goal coming the two one the ultimate game winner they had possession for like three or four shifts in a row. And Zaitsev and Goody were on the ice a long time. Both of them over a minute and a half shifts at that point. Yeah, Gabranson had a had a moment where he was on the ice for two and a half minutes. Then it was a TV timeout. And DJ Smith started the penalty kill with him. Like It just seems like you're relying too much on the wrong players in these situations. Like Eric Branstrom played the least of any defenseman. The other side of that coin is he's coming back from injury. So I can actually see that. But he's a guy who I expect tonight to help the power play. How's that for a bold prediction? Eric Branstrom will contribute to a power play goal tonight for Ottawa. I like it. I like it. And hey, that that rolls perfectly into my hashtag locked on player because I'm going to be locked on to Eric Branstrom. Like you said, he's coming off an injury. So the first game off an injury, you're kind of, you're not really looking for a player to uh, excel. You're just kind of watching to see if there's any lingering effects. Like, is he skating a little slow? Is he hesitant in puck battles? Those kinds of things. He was credited with four hits last night. Yeah, I noticed that. And four hits and no shots. That's a weird stat line for Eric Branstrom, a tiny offensive defenseman. But he's he's a guy that he's going to get the opportunity to be quarterbacking that second power play unit. And I'm relying on him to do what I want Thomas Shabbat to, to do. Get those low, nice, tippable wrist shots from the point and create chaos from that. Because 
the worst that can happen is it deflects off to the side. And then hopefully one of your guys on the half walls picks it up and can get another good chance. Like just like you said, getting shots on net to create chaos. Once that puck gets off a player's stick and is bouncing around and you have five men on the ice and they have four, this, the odds are in your favor. I mean, it's simple as that to get that puck and bury it. So create chaos. And I want Branston to be getting those pucks through and trying to get pucks on net and make those good first breakout passes. So I'm going to be locked on to Branston because this guy, not a lot of Sens fans believe in him, but I truly believe that he's going to be a cornerstone of this franchise and the franchise can get it done. So I'm going to be looking out for that tonight. I'm going to give you a pair. I'm going to do Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla. Hopefully, they see some more time playing on the same line. I think that the the playmaking of Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris is really looking comfortable out there, putting pucks on net. His face-offs, too. We've already, we keep mentioning how they've improved. He was, again, 54% last night. He was 9 for 11 in Game 1 against Toronto, and that's going up against Tavares and Matthews in the face-off circle. So showing that he can compete in the dot with them, he also had five shots on goal, which is the most he's had in a game since January 27th. That's about a span of 11 games. So when Norris is feeling it, we mentioned he's a shooter. They need more of that. Maybe Branstrom sets him up on the power play tonight. It could be, but I think Josh Norris, this is a night where we could really see him succeed. Yeah, I think I like the Norris-Stutzla combo on the power play, but that line of Brady, Norris, and Connor Brown was just too effective last night to break up. Like I said, you see a lot of the highlights in the condensed game were Norris and Kachuk making offensive chances and opportunities, and Connor Brown was starting those. So for me, I'd like to keep those together, but on the power play, yeah, it'd be great to get uh, the, we could call it the German connection line. Sure, uh, Norris and Batherson may have overplayed their German language skills, but who hasn't, myself included. So Let's get those uh, th- three Germans on a line and see if they can they can cook something up here. Yeah, Josh North with with an assist in each of the two games against Toronto as well. So can he extend his points tree to three games? Tim Stutzla was dancing with the puck last night. And I know you get nervous when he's doing it in his defensive zone, but how about that play where he shakes Jimmy, two different defenders, and then got a nice shot on goal on Freddie Anderson? Yeah, that was a great shot on goal. And that's uh, that's a great play. I forget uh, who was calling the game, but the color commentator was saying at that point, Stutzla is not even thinking. Like, he's just reacting. And he he's dancing with the puck, honestly. He's fluid with his motions. And he, he can create a lot of offense on his own. And what I'd like to see Stutzla do a little bit more of, and I think we'll see this as he gets more experience, is dance with the puck like that and draw defenders towards you. And then instead of taking that shot, dish it off to the side to the open man. That's what I want to see because especially as he gets better, stronger, faster, smarter, Players are going to be locked on to him and guys are going to start double teaming him in coverage. And that's going to leave opportunities open for guys like Bathurst and guys like Norris and Brown to really capitalize there. But yeah, when I, and this is one of the knocks I had on Timmy Stutzla when I wasn't really a huge fan of him as a prospect before the Sens drafted him is he's doing too much all the time. Like in his own defensive zone, you can't be peeling around, turning backwards and turning the puck over when you had a chance to just skate the the puck out. And even if you have to dump it, that's fine. You can't be creating turnovers in your own end because you're peeling around and going South instead of North and uh, creating more time in your own zone. So that's one thing I really want Timmy to work on, but not too many complaints from me because he's been playing good. And last night was a great game for him. 
Timmy is the antithesis of the draw pass on the power play because when he picks up steam in the offensive zone, the last thing he's going to do is drop the puck. He wants to come in with speed and attack and then do like almost like the Clark MacArthur, Daniel Alfredson move where they just do a little reverse spin and create space for themselves in the offensive zone. So I want to see more opportunity for Timmy on the power play. I know he's getting normal second reps, but when you have him anchored with players like Derek Stepan and Artem Anisimov, what are you really expecting the ceiling to be? So Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Eric Branstrom, players to watch for in tonight's game. My lookout player, holy crap, look out when Austin Matthews is on the ice. I mentioned his stats against the Ottawa Senators. We don't need to go there, but all I'm saying is if you're an Ottawa Senator, know when number 34 is on the ice and know it's going to be a lot. Austin Matthews played almost 25 minutes more than any other Maple Leaf. Only Thomas Shabbat played more in the game last night. And it's pretty rare for a defenseman not to be leading the team in ice time. There's only six of them, for Christ's sakes, although two on the ice at once. But Austin Matthews, this guy is is just a weapon. Yeah, I mean, enough said. I'm not going to say much more on that. Yeah, we don't need to pump his tires, but you, just be aware when he's on the ice. Yeah, there. Great advice. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one for Hot sure. Take. Um, my lookout player is going to be Jumbo Joe. Anytime you get two goals disallowed in a game and you don't get revenge and score one, you know Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are going to be looking up to their stepdad, Joe Thornton, because Marlo's off in San Jose. And they're going to be like, we're going to get you a goal no matter what it takes, and we're going to giggle the whole way. So that is going to happen for sure. Look out for Joe Thornton. He's going to be hungry for a goal. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The Leafs seemingly always need a babysitter for their young stars. I wonder if any time they'll take uh... – take the team by the throat themselves uh, rather than rely on whether it's Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton to carry the load for them, bringing in how many vets they need. Wayne Simmons, Jason Spatza, like the list goes on and on. That line, by the way, would have been unreal in NHL 10. Hey, right? the video game, Thornton, Spatza, and Simmons, just complete monsters. But in the year 2021, uh, time will tell. The series right now is tied at two. Your Ottawa Senators have half of their wins this year against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, Let's be real. A little victory goes a long way in a season like this. If the Senators can pull out this victory, you got bragging rights for the next month until Ottawa faces off against Toronto again. So we've given our keys to victory, our lookout player, our locked-on players. Now it's just time to sit back and enjoy the game. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.